Hi, I'm Debbie Braun, President of the Aspen Chamber Resort Association, and thank you for watching this edition of ACRA's Election Forum. We have now moved on to our mayoral candidates, but before we start talking to Adam and Ann, I just want to remind everybody, you must vote. It's your civic responsibility. Get out and vote. Do you know, want to know what day? That would be March 5th. Look in your mailboxes. You probably have a ballot in there. Get them in the mail. Drop them off. Go have some fun. But please vote. It's so incredibly important. Really, Aspen right now is at a crossroads, and I think new leadership across the staff as well as our um, council and mayoral candidates is a really great thing. So I'm really happy to have Ann Mullins and Adam Frisch here with me today. Welcome. Thank you, Debbie. Good morning, Debbie. <laughs> Thank Good morning, you. Ann. I was <laughs> so excited because you two have been out there working hard. <laughs> knocking on doors, you've been getting out in all these different forums and luncheons. So I feel like we've digested a lot of information that you have already out there published, but we just have a few follow-up questions for you today. Do you want to play? Yes. Yes. Stump Thank the you. jump. Okay. No. <laughs> um, Don't pick on me like that. No, not at all. Um, okay, I want to talk about leadership because the mayor, you're really the CEO of Aspen. So, um, Anne, I'm going to start with you. What are two of your leadership, leadership strengths? So when you think about a, being a great leader, what two things come to mind when you think about yourself? Um, two things. Um, when I talked to a lot of people before I started the campaign, I would ask them each, if I serve as mayor, what can I do to help you? Uh, what, how can I serve you best? And then my second question was always just a plain question. Um, how do you define leadership? And I got a full range of answers from a bunch of different boxes to paragraphs. Uh, but I got two one-liners, which I thought were great. One, leadership is listening. And secondly, leadership is making room for other people. Just general philosophy of leadership. Yes, and you think those describe you? Well, I can go into more detail, but I'd have more than three. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. No, let's stick with the two. Adam, <clears throat> what two leadership leadership strengths do you have? It's uh, in my world. It's listen, learn, and then act. Uh, as Ann mentioned, listening is really important, especially in this community. And um, I think individually. Uh, I do a good job of listening at the council table and being accessible and whether I'm out there with my kids or Katie and make it, or it takes longer to, for us to shop at the supermarket than most people. But that's all part of getting the feedback. And then acting. Um, I think a lot of leaders who have sat at the council table over the years, have we're all kind of talking about some of the same goals. I think it's really about who's executed those goals and who's brought those to the tables and brought those in. So whether it's been the tobacco tax or whether it's been the thoughtful and balanced downzoning of, of 2016, by all means, other council people have to get buy-in and staff needs to execute. But the goals, just the execution and the deliverables for the community don't come out of thin air. They usually start from a community member or a council person championing something and actually delivering, as opposed to just kind of talking about something that gets done. And I try to listen, learn, and then lead by acting. Do you actually go grocery shopping? Yes. My wife works full yes. time. She travels a week a month. I am making breakfasts, I making get past lunches. I the fact that you were in the grocery, uh, oh, really? the grocery aisle there. So, um, you know, a sign of a good leader is you want your team to succeed, um, enjoy their successes um, as much as your own. So can you cite an example on council where you were a champion for your team and you cheered on their success? Um. 
Yeah, let me give you, you know, my background is landscape architecture, urban design. So I work with uh, the Parks Department a lot. And I have suggested two things I did for the parks. Got our most, one of our most important parks, the mall, uh, protected by historic designation. Mm -hmm. Worked very hard with the staff at, at uh, City Hall, with the Parks Department, and we put together a designation package and got that designated. A smaller, uh, maybe less recognized, um, and this is, you know, this is a small thing, but it enriches the town, is a small parcel next to the Wheeler. I worked again with the Parks Department with Jeff Woods, and uh, he had a group of interns for the summer, two summers ago. And we went in and cleaned that place out, changed it from a, a somewhat secluded park um, that not many people hung out in into a, a much more open park that's very, very well used in town. And again, it's a small thing, it's a small move, but it's, it's a really important move. There are other things I've done, HHS, um, Health and Human Services, sorry, yes. and Environment, but if Adam wants to, I, I can go into those, but you said one thing. Trying wow. to stay yeah. on task here. <laughs> Very good, you know, following directions. Yeah, right. <laughs> Always a good thing. So uh, the, we have a 7,000-person team. Is that kind of when you said success for the team, the yeah. team is our community? I'm, no, I mean for your city staff, not your oh, community. Okay. You need to, I mean, you're in charge of the staff or your city manager is. So when you talk about the team, I mean your city team. Okay. So I think the main, you know, the, we have a really dedicated staff. And I think there's been a lack of uh, a focused culture uh, of late and a little bit of rudderlessness going on at the top. And, and that's why some of the, we made some of these changes recently. And I think to untap this potential, they're doing great work, but there's actually even greater work to be done, I think. And I think they're looking for more inspiration. And so by help kind of spearheading that move to have these discussions about uh, the possibility of a new city manager, I think is really, really important. Um, I think that it has to do with executing the goals in a way that the staff feels empowered and that they feel listened to. And uh, there was a, a failed attempt of a, of a downzoning in 2012 where uh, a fellow council person kind of started calling some council people. This was before Ann's time. And a couple hours before the announcement that the, the person was going to make kind of set the whole staff in a flurry. And uh, if you go forward a couple years, when I reached out to the mayor in the fall of November, of 2015 to stimulate the conversation. I brought staff in first before I reached out to my fellow council people, reached out to Ann and uh, the mayor and some of the other people in there to kind of make sure that the staff is there to support and not become a hindrance. So in executing this thoughtful downzoning, I think that's been a big success from a lot of different people and getting the staff buy-in, I, I think they feel like they have a lot of skin in the game and I think that's really important because they're all fired up to really execute community goals. And when did that take place? You said so. November of November of November of 2015. I reached out to the mayor, and then we got together with uh, Jim True and Chris Benden to have a discussion about putting into place a moratorium through emergency ordinance. We actually didn't put the, uh, the the ordinance in place until March of 2016, and so for five months there was a pretty good, well kept secret as we kind of worked behind the scenes to build a process that we wanted to get implemented. And then we spent all of 2016 with Jessica's lead and got into a lot of great discussions that Ann was a good part of about what we want, kind of what we want to come out of this from a land use code. This had to right. do with the second tier spaces. You know, and I, I get that. I'm sort yeah. of moving back towards the staff. And I guess the question is, flash, flash forward to 2018 when your staff is in front of you with the shift program. 
and you both are talking to your staff publicly during that time, do you feel like you supported your staff, or do you feel like your staff went rogue? Or how do you, like, I feel like that was uncomfortable for mm -hmm. some people to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. The whole process. We didn't ask about the mobility lab. Was yeah. Very <laughs> uncomfortable. So, how do you feel like you were able to lead your staff, your community through that process? Well, Either one of you jump in. Okay. This um, I mean, this is the bigger question. Why do I want to be mayor? It's to avoid situations like that. There was not enough communication from our staff to the other council members, perhaps from the mayor to the other council members. It was not a transparent process and it wasn't an inclusive process. This particular contract we were presented with was an $800,000 contract that was on a consent calendar, which the assumption is that there will be very little or no discussion. And I spoke to um, city staff before the meeting and I said, there's no way I can approve this, this large a contract with absolutely no discussion. We'd had some preliminary kind of general conceptual discussions going on. How did it get all the way up there then? Because uh, that's, that's what I wasn't clear on. Plenty of work sessions yeah. ahead of time. You all gave direction. Plenty of work sessions, yeah. but not about this specific contract. We had heard True. there was a contract with someone, a, a bigger kind of entity, and we'd be presented with it. And all of a sudden, we were. And it's people don't understand. We we get these packets Friday afternoon, anywhere from. 800 pages to I think the all-time winner is 1,300 pages. And we have the weekend to di digest I only read things. 1,200 of those pages. I just want to be, oh, I should, I want to admit that to my voters. Good leader. Yeah, right. we'll that I only read 1,200. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so in that, in the shift uh, case, it, it, it was very awkward because I could not support staff recommendation because I didn't feel like there had been enough interaction um, among council, this is one of the things I'm running on. I said inclusiveness, not just with staff, but with the other council members. Right. The mayor is the leader, but the mayor needs to be including everybody else on council. Adam? So this goes back to the true leadership, that it's one thing to talk about goals, but you have to deliver. In the business world, or even in an organizational world of a public sector, 10% is the idea, the goal, the vision. The vast majority of it is execution, and the execution in the mobility lab was a complete and utter disaster. Um, I can't speak on behalf of Ann or others, but I sent a tremendous amount of emails to the mayor, to staff, questioning, try to do it privately at first, about some of the concerns I had about it's a great goal, but we're heading down the wrong path. There's no engagement of the public. We, we have completely blown off our taxi companies in that discussion. And I had a little bit of, uh, of a tirade in August, end of the meeting, when we were given a go, no-go decision about the expansion of a downtowner type of service. And the mayor walked in there with all the respect, and I had these discussions with Steve before and after. He didn't even know he had the votes to get through the August thing. Um, and there was, a, a, as Ann mentioned, there was a big breakdown in communication. And it's not just between City Hall and the community. It's between the five of us. Mm -hmm. um, it happened to do with the junior staff asking the senior staff to do more outreach to the city council, to do more outreach to the public. And some of the senior staff said no, um, which is a little bit flabbergasted to, to kind of hear that, that this was a really, really big goal with a really, really good idea at the start. And it went completely pear-shaped, as I said. And I think we need to actually study this, not to figure out where all the blame goes, but we all need, we need to learn from that. Because there's right. a tremendous amount of time it was a tremendous amount of expense, and I think we, there's very little self-reflection that happens at City Hall, and we need to have the confidence to
to realize that sometimes we all make mistakes, or at least I do, and learn from those and move on. And, and there's a huge learning opportunity from what happened, and I'm still hoping that we can look at some of the aspects of the mobility lab to see brought forward, because um, we do have a traffic problem that needs to be looked at. Yeah, personally, though, give me, you know, not too detailed, but where do you take responsibility, Anne, for what went wrong at the end with all the money that was put in, all the outreach, and then it all went sideways towards the end? Adam, I'm going to start with you. What what personally do you take responsibility for? So what I've, I've said before in the past is that, in the past couple months with this discussion point, is that I need to figure out a way to be more effective when I'm raising flags. Because I went back and looked, and there's 15 or 17 emails to different people waving flags. I raised a big flag at the end of July when we had our top 10 goal mini retreat and talked about this was right after that whole disaster of trying to bring the bike lane through the busiest street in town with Restaurant Row. And we sh city staff shows up with solutions to a lot of times when people don't even know there's a problem. And the staff's well-meaning, and they're super educated, they're super dedicated, and they but have Adam, a lot of money. I'm asking about you, not the and staff. And so my question yeah. is, how do, I, how do I do a better job of being more effective of raising flags and yeah. asking people to slow down and stop? And somehow through my private emails and public conversations, I wasn't able to steer the direction to get a critical mass of people to also join me in saying, hey, listen, this is a good idea on the wrong track. So I need to figure out a better way to be more effective okay. in that I, aspect. I think when you start kind of looking back at shift and all the things that went wrong, we've been looking at it from our own perspective. We were involved in the one-way streets on Hopkins, but we sort of stepped out towards the end. So a lot of like self-reflection needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking back, what where did you fall short, do you think? It's, it is a similar answer. We, you know, I was at, uh, I think, the first out-of-town kind of fundraising effort when we went to Ford Motor Company. It was a very exciting idea. They were excited about it. I was thrilled to be part of this mobility lab, which could actually change the transportation in Aspen and perhaps across the United States. Then we stumbled a bit and stumbled a bit. Um, and as I saw, um, as the message began to change, I think I should have, uh, it would have been up to me to say, what is the message? Let's be consistent here. Let's make sure we understand what we're trying to, again, speaking up, what we're trying to do in this mobility lab. Because it did kind of morph as we went along, and the funding changes, funding sources changes. Um, when we looked at this reconfiguration of downtown to one-way streets and, and very intricate bike lanes. Uh, I met with the designer that was working on it, and I said, no, absolutely not. This will not work. But apparently that I wasn't loud enough to get that message to council. The last thing that happened where I think I really failed to, um, to make my point was when we decided to shift the mobility lab to summer of 2019, and I actually met with the mayor, and I said, you have no champion on council. This is not going to work. Um, now, maybe I was loud enough and just wasn't listened to, but I was quite clear that it, it was not going to work in 2019. Right. Now, in 
2019, one of you will be um, elected or Tori and Kale. There's four of you running, so mm -hmm. somebody is going to be coming um, our new mayor. Right after that, the mayor, or your council, along with staff, convenes um, your top nine or top ten goals. So that'll be happening this summer. Mm -hmm. If you are elected as our mayor, what is the one big goal out of the nine that you're going to be championing? Adam? Um, so I, I think one of the problems that we run into in goal setting is just the whole structure of whether we should have nine or ten or five or three. And I think that's one of the problems. Two, again, it goes back to we're going to show up with some goals, and my goals are con continue to be try to get a capital reserve program set up for APSHA, see the construction of Berlin Game 3 start right away. And so if you're looking for one, that's what I'm going to focus on. And I also want to tap into the BMC West discussion and also try to reappropriate some of the funds from the Wheeler to be better utilized in the arts community of Aspen, Colorado. Great. I have more, but we'll leave it at that. I think that's good. And what is it, if you become mayor, what will you be going into that goal setting with um, sort of your top yeah. tier goals? Well, my intention will be to turn the whole thing inside out and start again. Get uh, Have a goal setting process where, where we are getting input from the community as, as to their priorities input from the staff, their priorities, that there's some type of connectivity between the goals or not just one, two, three, four, five. Um, it, it, they don't come, currently they don't comprise any type of work plan. Uh, they're not cohesive. So my number one goal would be to turn the whole thing around, okay. reconfigure how we set these goals, and then with the com uh, input from staff and community, my guess is top goals would still go back to affordable housing, uh, transit, similar to what we have today, yeah. but um, rewritten so that they make sense, so they tell a story, so that it's actually something we can achieve. Okay. Adam, this question is brought to you by our membership, um, and Anne, for you too. Adam, you've been working on housing for almost 10 years. I remember I went to the Housing Frontier um, Summit that you helped corral all of us. Um, given the scale of the problem, do you think your track record of building housing is something you're proud of, or do you feel like you've fallen short? No, so the, the construction of housing um, continues to chug along, and there, the capacity is finding the land, the money, and while we have a lot of, it's very expensive to build units and also the staff capacity to do so. But uh, including Frontiers as well as in the housing, we've done a lot of good things as providing a tremendous amount of educational opportunities that weren't available before, bringing up Molly Foley-Healy, who's one of the top HOA lawyers in the state, who's come up and provided uh, a lot of different educational seminars. Um, Frontiers, with my leadership, as well as a lot of great work from the, the members, mm -hmm. um, was able to get a subsidized capital reserve study that 22 HOAs took advantage of. So I'm really proud of that. Um, the governance discussions we're having now, I'm pretty sure would not be happening if it wasn't for a, a couple years of Frontiers trying to push this forward. Um, you know, when I, when I look at the affordable housing um, program, it, to me, it's like trying to tackle health care, Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare all at once at a <clears throat> D.C. level. It is the heart and soul and the most personal aspect of a, a tremendous amount of people and the tremendous amount of important people in this community. And so as fast as I would like to go from a personal level, it's really important 
important to have this engagement. And I think we're going we're to, and Ant's been helpful, myself and others, we're kind of getting over some really big humps about governance and remodeling of the board and looking at some different ways to set up administration. So I stand proud of all the work that I've put into it, and I think the future is going to be even brighter. Great. And this question is brought to you by our membership. Oh. Um, at recent work sessions on housing and child care, you advocate for more needs analysis, which essentially feels like more time to review the problem <laughs> on both housing and child care. Um, it's clear to businesses that these are pertinent issues that are making it difficult to hire and retain employees. What action are you going to take after we do the studying um, as uh, if you're elected mayor to sort of improve the health of um, housing and child care? Okay, I'll start with child care. And the request for a study was actually not from council. It was from a group of citizens and uh, the, the staff at the Yellow Brick. And we have approved uh, that in the 2020 budget for funding. They're going to take a look at uh, needed capacity, number of placements, uh, physical, uh, the building capacity, and come back to us. I, I wish we were doing it in 2019. We actually have... Uh, kind of condition that if we can get the money in 2019, we'll do it, but we'll do it as quickly as we, as we can. So, um, yeah, I do look forward to that, and I look forward to acting, and also um, ways of funding additional capacity. So I look forward to acting on that as soon as that, that report gets back to us. Um, in terms of the, the housing, we have, uh, we have continued with building. We've got another 45 units that will be uh, finished this year. Uh, I think 174 kind of in the line. We're going to start with Burlingame 3, um, take a look at other other places. My disappointment in the housing and what I would like to uh, focus on is first uh, long-term maintenance. We saw a presentation last night where, I can't remember the, the numbers exactly, but uh, deferred maintenance was one of the biggest concerns of um, the affordable housing community, people living there. Uh, we have been very successful. We now have a compliance officer, which was another big uh, area of concern. And uh, she's very impressive. She's explained her process and, and how the complaints have decreased. And she's been able to address a lot of these complaints. Very important position. We okayed, um, and again, uh, conditioned on BOCC's uh, acceptance or agreement, um, hiring a hearing officer so that the APSHA meetings can focus on policy, not uh, compliance. And so those things are taken care of. We need to take a look at deferred maintenance, the capital reserves. We haven't made terrific, terrific progress in that. The other uh, thing we desperately need to look at is people keep saying, build more housing, build more. We're going to run out of land. We do have BMC. We have a few other spots. We need to start looking at some other options for um, increasing the housing inventory, whether it's going to much older uh, complexes. Can they be redeveloped uh, with, you know, a little bit more density? Uh, look at the numerous deed-restricted properties, which will lose those deed restrictions in the next 20 years or so. Um, take a look at what we can do with those. Take a right. look at housing units that are free market but essentially uh, functioning as affordable housing, is can the city acquire those? So uh, increasing inventory, 
addressing the deferred maintenance and the cap reserves, and then the database that the office is working on is a basis for identifying the project problems and where we need to go. To offer on the capital reserve, uh, and Anne's supportive of this, the city has had a capital reserve plan for a couple years, uh, and the hard part has been getting the county to dance and sit down and talk to us. Uh, I worked in a subgroup with uh, the mayor and Rachel Richards and George Newman and some of the city staff and county staff. We brought back an idea to Ann and Bert and Ward and they bought into the city plan. And it was a different plan than what the county had to do. I wanted to keep on talking and the county, with all the respect, they wanted to step away from the conversation and pass it on to the APSHA board. And from there it kind of got lost in the APSHA board shuffle. And uh, the city still has a plan, and it might be not a perfect plan, but it's a plan to start and try to negotiate. And this is the problem that we're having, is that APSHA is being managed by both the city and the county. And one of the problems we have in the governance structure is if one side walks away, it kind of makes everything fall apart. And I think when you're in a partnership, you are forced to sit down and work out your differences. Um, and the city has been kind of waiting and asking every once in a while to sit down with the county and try to hammer out some differences. And so I'm hoping that that gets taken care of or start to be tackled even in the springtime, uh, in between after the elections, but before there's actually a turnover of some possible new members. Okay, we have put some dirt into the ground, right, for the new city hall? <laughs> yes. Dun, 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 um, is there space for ACRA in the new city hall, in the building designs? What's yeah. ACRA? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yes, did you say? Where? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, that opens up the old art museum, which is Acre's current location, and also the armory. Um, can you remind me again what's going on with the armory now that we are really moving forward with City Hall? Um, we will work on those facilities uh, to be done down at Rio Grande Park, done 2021 or so. And uh, probably towards the end of that start, the plan is start renovating the, um, the armory into city offices and permanent city council chambers. So more city offices at the armory, you wouldn't bring the whole, I thought we were trying to get everybody under one roof. Uh, originally we had the one roof plan yeah. and that was modified to uh, city council and uh, I, I can't remember exactly what, so probably ComDev and, and Finance. I know, there's been a lot of modifications. Yeah. What about, um, and we only have a couple minutes left, okay. so let's, what about, yeah. what would you like to do with our current location? Yeah. So one of the differences that Ann and I have is Ann and I think Ward supported having a one-roof solution and freeing up the mm -hmm. armory. Yeah. The mayor and myself wanted to keep the armory uh, historic building having some level of a, a city presence. So when people mm -hmm. walk into, they're in this authentic historic town, they walk into historic authentic building. So that's going to eventually become, uh, remain office space. It does free up the the power, the, the power yeah. plant. And I'm hoping we can try to redo the dialogue again about trying to put a non-government ent entity back in there. And this was another example of a process that had a good goal of stimulating the conversation and it kind of went pear-shaped because for a lot of reasons, yes. but it had to do with the process yeah. uh, of outreach and engagement to try to figure out how to, and I still think that building is best utilized by some type of community 
asset that's yeah. not part of the government and with all due respect, not part of ACRA as well. Well, I've got plenty of ideas for that building since I'm down there, but we ran out of time. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. I want to, you both don't even get to give you the last little pitch. Oh. So I think I need to invite you back. If there's a runoff with anyone, we're talking okay. about actually um, setting up a formalized debate for you. Perfect. So uh, we'll see what the future holds. Please get out and vote on March 5th. I'm Debbie Braun with the Aspen Chamber Resort Association. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of ACRA's Election Forum.